Good morning. Welcome back to Dr. Drill's Making Motivation Podcast. Today is the 3rd of February, 2023. Chilly morning, 19 degrees. Partly cloudy skies here in eastern PA. Hope wherever you're tuning in from. The weather is good and it's Friday, so let's all be optimistic and hopeful that we've got a nice weekend ahead of us. Sam and I will be heading to West Virginia where there is a seven-on-seven football tournament. Don't ask me why the fuck we need to go to West Virginia when we live in the greater Philadelphia area. But uh, this is the sort of shit that goes down, that that transpires, and kind of roll with it, you know? We're going to call it an exciting father-son trip. Sam at 15 years of age me at the ripe old age of 47. <clears throat> Almost 48. We don't get a lot of uh, time just one-on-one, so I'm sure he's going to be listening to his earbuds most of the time, but we'll get out there and see some open road and have some experiences together. And uh, be back home by dusk on Sunday. My Lily Beanbag had a yet another um, competition this weekend. It was in Trenton. She was training for, but uh, she was dropped doing a basket uh, toss, which is uh, as the flyer, they basically take her four or five and they throw the flyer up in the air and she twists and lands down in their arms again. And they fucking dropped her. So she hit her head on somebody's knee and then the floor. That she's got a concussion. So we'll call it a mild concussion before, uh, you know, for the time being. Well, it seems to be have her affect and no major neurologicals other than some neck pain and photophobia. She seems to be rehabbing well. But she's going to take a little bit of time off cheer just a week which I'm uh, I'm glad she's doing it you know it was uh, with some trepidation that we regarded this whole diagnosis you know okay so you're gonna stay home from school today because you got your bell rung and you know of course I do an assessment looking for pupillary constriction range of motion symptoms But, uh, you know, it's always better to take him to the pediatrician. So she did a legit concussion protocol. <laughs> documented it. So she's got at least a mild concussion. So she's going to, she and, and mom are going to stay home for the weekend. And they, they could use one of those. Now they'll probably be out there, probably go out to the outlets and do all kinds of cool, fun shit. Which, fuck it, they should. But, um. You know, it can be a little bit. Go, 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 you know? Always on the go. I wish we could stay home with them. So anyway, uh, I, I woke this morning. Uh, I've been sleeping pretty well. I got my little Amaze Fit smartwatch here that uh, I barely even notice it's on. 
checks my heart rate, my freaking oxygen saturation, my steps, my calories, all this shit. So that's pretty cool. And um, I got about eight hours of sleep last night, so that's awesome. Before I hit the rack, I was watching a program that was about strange um, sports customs. So have you ever seen those videos about the uh, the cheese roll in England, apparently? A place called Cooper's Hill. <clears throat> and uh, people from all over, but mostly the locals, will do this race both up the hill and down the hill. So there's footage you can find type in cheese race, you see these fucking people running down, like, I don't know what the slope is, but it's steep, 75, you know, say, what kind of grade is it, it's fucking steep, man, like, so they sit at the top, and then they just basically start running, gravity takes them, they go ass over tea kettle, and they kind of embrace that a little bit, they go loose, if they can, try to control their momentum, but you have this little girl, a woman, who's like a thrill seeker or whatever, she fucking chases this cheese down there, she, she won it four times for the women's, and then the, uh, the men do theirs, and this guy, was, they were kind of workshopping how to, how to improve their speed, and basically you, you run, and then you fall at some point, and once you come, come out of the, the fall, you kind of use that to spring up, and then kind of like, do 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 if you ever go down a, a flight of stairs quickly, you get the sense. You got to get your, your legs moving and your proper positioning. Anyway, that was cool. They did another one. Oh, a chili eating contest. I've seen some footage on YouTube about this too. People, competitors from all over, and they meet, and they train, and they grow these, um, these chilies. And there's this guy who, I guess, he's got some sort of commercial sauce, certainly has a, a growing business, and he's just trying to engineer, uh, genetically engineer the, the hottest possible peppers. So this guy's showing like it, it's like freaking Frankenstein's monster. This guy's taking little paintbrushes and taking the uh, pollen from from an adjacent, uh, you know, from one pepper, let's say it's a fucking red-hot scorpion or whatever, and then splicing that into, take this little paintbrush with the pollen on and painting it into the stamen or the, you know, the sexual parts of the adjacent uh, Carolina Reaper to try to engineer the, you know, get the best qualities, crossbreeds, hybrids, discover new peppers and, and new heat, levels of heat. They covered Scov Scoville units and all kinds of scientific aspect of, of chilies like this. And uh, it was quite interesting, in my opinion. And they were going to start a third section of it was on um, uh, extreme hairdos or something like that. It looked like it was an African-American hair company, whatever. This guy does runway models, does sculptures in hair and hair extensions. So that one kind of lost my interest, but I'll... Uh, I'll, I'll watch the rest of that. 
anyway, that was kind of interesting. I would, if you're looking for something cool, interesting to uh, to watch, watch these people face off in this chili eating competition. It's fucking nuts. And if you've ever eaten a hot chili, you know, ranging from what fucking jalapeno up to uh, mild to a um, you know Carolina Reaper or a ghost pepper or something like that, you know, this is nuts. I'm largely through my um, my cold, and that fucking sucked. Let me tell you, my friends. Loogies, snot rockets, like fucking guacamole. <coughs> Got a little bit of congestion just remaining, but I'm through it for the most part. So listen, I want to do a quick edit of of some content for my book. I got some feedback yesterday from my buddy Rosie, who sent some encouraging words, ideas, you know, potential ideas as to um, an approach. You know, one one of his statements was that you know, people aren't necessarily looking for a book; people don't even read anymore. They consume information in different ways, and uh, one of which, of course, is uh, social media. So if you can take these short videos and try to get that information out there. At least in addition to, you know, you got to edit down. So if I was going to do a, cover the topic of my growing up, maybe I could go to these locations. Maybe I could go to, like, an iconic Pine Barren uh, location. I'm thinking of one right now. It's on Route 539, wherever, going through the Pine Barrens. And uh, there's this rock. It's like a boulder. It's very out of place for a largely sand, sandy uh, state. They got this boulder sitting by the roadside, and they've painted it. It's become a monument. They painted it like a like an American flag, and people will stop and meet there and take pictures and stuff. But there's you know myriad places that I've been and and would like to go. You just drive around, hey, write down a list of, of spots that, you know, speak to my my growing up experiences that I had. The setting, the who knows what kind of um, memories might come from this, you know. I think some of the people that I grew up with could also, would also appreciate that if I, you know, doing some in my truck or whatever pull over on the side of the road and show people Devil's Ditch or the Sarco Sand Pit or Tuckerton Railroad or you know this trestle over the Cedar Creek kind of capture some of the things in shorts it might be a good idea at the very least if I'm hell bent on writing a book then I should uh, I should revisit these places and kind of see, you know, to jog some memories. Speaking of, so thank you, thank you, Rosie. I love you, bud. You know, it's it's it it fills me up just to know that there's anybody listening out there that I don't know what you know anybody tuning in friend or 
a listener, somebody that I might have never met, that uh, or somebody that I know and love for for years, decades, that they would turn to and listen to, tune in to what I have to say it means a lot. So, um, and I appreciate the feedback. So, but speaking of uh, jogging memories. I uh, I came to this morning, just about five thirty-six, something like that. Realized I only had, I had less than an hour remaining to sleep, so I'm like, all right. I start thinking, I start ruminating, and sometimes anxious thoughts will come to mind. Sometimes useful thoughts, but I'm aware of it. I'm aware that there's these. Maybe just like, okay, day's starting. Got to get going now. Can't can't sleep in today. So on a subconscious level, you're you're coming to, and you're like, all right, I gotta maybe that just the acceleration of coming out of sleep mode into the real world. <clears throat> anyway, whatever it was, I started thinking about some of the my growing up, and to try to underscore. You know, what would lead me to become a, to want to be a Marine? And I was, so I was into all kinds of shit. I told you about some of the trouble I got into, the, you know, shoplifting and, um, you know, partying and stuff like that, risk-taking. I was also big time into the outdoors, so I had a BB gun, and I had a twenty-two, and then I had a, a Mini-14, which I probably should have remembered at some point in time. My aunt said I shouldn't have that. It was a freaking gun with flame shooting out of the front. She was a lawyer from the Midwest. It was. It was like something you see off of eight, the A-team. <clears throat> I had a shotgun. I had a fucking bows and arrows. All kinds of things. And I would use these up in the mountains. I referenced the... Uh, my parents had a... 10-acre plot in the Catskills, right? In the middle of fucking nowhere. Top of a mountain. It was glorious. So I'd go up there, and you could walk down those roads. They weren't really roads. They were like unimproved logging roads, for the most part, maintained by sportsmen's clubs and stuff like that. And these roads would wash out in the, in the spring, and they'd have to repair them. With heavy equipment, all this shit. So, um... I would walk down those those log roads with a shotgun or a .22 and plink at things, whether it's a beer can or a tree or chipmunks, whatever. I was always doing that. Always out there in the wilds. I remember I read a book called My Side of the Mountain. And it was out, real briefly, it was about a boy <clears throat> who wasn't content, you know, or having problems where he grew up in suburbia, and so he said, fuck it, I'm out of here. He was 12 or something like that. He hitched a ride on a, on a truck, dropped him off in the middle of uh, the wilderness, Catskill wilderness or whatever. And the kid walked into the woods and describes how he survived, you know, living in the trunk of an old rotted tree and um, some kind of primitive methods that he used to survive, start fires, hunt, live, and then at some point in time, 
boy, you know, did all his stuff and realized, you know, he needed something, he needed people, so he'd go back into civilization. And so I, I fascinated, I was fascinated with this, and I, I was kind of convinced that on some level I was that boy. I think most boys, most young men, most young people, particularly young men who are hormonally and genetically driven to be survivors, warriors, Lord of the Flies, you know, winning in the pecking order of life, just somehow coming through with the wind, surviving, that we, we were drawn to that shit, so <coughs> the fact that I had, I could leave suburbia, the suburban increasing concrete jungle and civilization and go into the wilds and walk through the woods and sit in a notch in a tree and, you know, make spears and go fishing and I would sometimes I'd meet mountain kids, you know, that the East Brook, Brook Rod and Gun Club, they're kids. There's one my childhood friend's name is Graydon. And we would ride around on his three wheeler, four wheeler, you know, shooting our twenty twos and dogs running off the leash and all this shit. It was it was just it was a great place. It went from <clears throat> a campsite to a cabin with a, a very deep well that we had drills, like 700 feet deep, right, and um, generators, and it was a place where we could go as a family to get away from things, and so I had some of that wildness in me, some of that the mountain in me, it was part of me. And I would I would exercise my you know my side of the mountains. Kid's name was Sam Gribley. Um, I would yearn for that, the outdoors, the appreciation that I got from all those experiences. It's I can't believe that I really haven't perpetuated that within my own family. Definitely an appreciation for nature that'll get through, but no mountain property. Well, I do have one, but we've been up there. Never. The kid's never been up there. Um, There's some other things that I got into, so that the mountain influence, and then there's, um, I was making, like, uh, you know, with the guns and, and bows and all that shit, knives, I was into all that stuff, man. I remember one time, my father's friend got out of hunting. And so he gave all of his his bow and arrow, his compound bow and arrow and broadheads. Gave them to my father who gave them to me. And I set these things out in rows on the carpet as I watched, you know, whatever shows. Rambo, Walker, Texas Ranger, whatever. I had them sitting out there on the floor, like across the room. My sister came in and started tussling with me, arguing over whatever position on the couch. And she kept pulling me, and I stepped off the couch and onto these broadheads. And I sliced my foot open terribly. I can imagine taking the sharpest knife, which a broadhead is, like a razor's that make this this um, broadhead, this tip of an arrow. I stepped off of them, and uh, I stepped onto them. One of them slid right across the the outside of my of my foot, the sole of my foot. So that was uh, 
that was a little bit of mischievousness, wasn't it? Or recklessness. Then, at some point, we're, you know, always playing with firecrackers. They were ubiquitous growing up. So we go down to, you know, the South, South Carolina or whatever, Myrtle Beach. And there would be firecrackers that come home with boxes and, you know, fire them off, whatever. Fourth of July. M80s were blowing people's hands off. I was making pipe bombs. I made them with like we, we there was there were books back then. One was called the Anarchist's Cookbook, and you, you had to order it from a catalog. We taught you how to do things like making improvised weapons, making silencers for guns, making pipe bombs. It really was information that shouldn't have been out there for little boys or anybody else. But it seemed to be a time where there was not a lot of malice in the world comparatively and so uh, it taught us how to make pipe bombs and firecrackers and so we made them and uh, blew up you know things out in the woods and so on and so forth a year or so later my uh, we, you know we always did it very safe into the recipe but years a few years later my buddy blew off several of his fingers with a pipe bomb and um, the way he went about it was not ideal. Um, say that as a uh, as an accomplished firework maker, um, you realize there's some safety steps you must include, or you could very well blow yourself up or die. And still, I remember some near misses, but he blew three fingers off: his thumb, second digit, and his third digit. So we just got a pinky, a ring finger and a pinky right now. We call him Lucky Seven. That'll be a chapter in the book. Jesus Christ, Lucky Seven. He's alive and well. You've heard about him recently from me. I couldn't appreciate him more, but I sure wish that we were smarter growing up and he didn't blow his hand off. All right, just some edits for the book. I need to include these things in there. I wasn't a terrible delinquent, but I was doing some stupid shit. And so it was important that I went into... I exercise this in some way, and to some degree I still do. There's a wild aspect of me that uh, it's I need to exercise it in the form of chainsaw carving or hard workouts or, you know, whatever. Or else it'll express itself in other ways. I think we all have that side. All right.